You can become unstuck in time. Unless there is anchor. But no one listened to that, no. What do you mean, unstuck in time? Where is he? In the past? In the future? That is a far more interesting question than you might suspect. I'll be in the car. Hello and welcome to Who Are You? This is a Babylon 5 watchcast hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who are rewatching a favorite show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And Laura, I'm going to ask you to explain our new cold open game, Alignments. So today we're asking ourselves, who are they about our main characters? So today we're going to talk about the command staff of Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to figure out a little about who they are through exploring the alignments concept. I bet everyone who's listening to this podcast has explored alignments before. Bit just of a in D&D case. nerd, yeah. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. There's, there's some overlap there, I'm going to guess. Yeah. <laughs> but for if you're a, a newbie to that alignments idea, it's that everybody falls into these brackets that are bounded by whether you're lawful, neutral, or chaotic in your behaviors, and whether that is guided by good, neutrality, or evil, right? So we're going to ask ourselves about the command staff. Where do we feel like these people fall? So we're looking at Sheridan, Ivanova, Garibaldi, and Franklin today. Mm-hmm. So All I'm right. curious how you feel about it, Jafar. When I first, when we first talked about this, I'm all like, oh, the the command staff, well, uh-huh. they're all going to be the same. And then yeah. I actually thought about it, and not a single one mm-hmm. is the same. I feel like my childhood reading would have put everyone in the lawful category, right? My, my childhood impression of our command staff was very like, these are good guys, so they are lawful, right? Uh, yeah. But I think that when you really look at them, it's not so simple. All right. You want to do, so we've got four characters. Uh-huh. I've got two lawful, or I've got one lawful, one neutral, and two chaotics. Yeah, okay. And I've got two goods and two neutrals on okay. the other side of it. Yeah. Where, where, where's, your, where's the layout for you? I feel like I have two lawfuls and two chaotics, but okay. I could probably be swayed into neutral on a couple of those. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like I have... Goods and neutral. Nobody's really evil, but I think one person's readings could be, you know, they're, I think they're interpreted diff- differently now than they would have been when the show was first on. How about that? Oh, for sure. All right. So let's <laughs> I bet start you know with, who it is. Yep. Let's start with Sheridan. I feel Sheridan's neutral good. Would you like to tell me what you base that on? Oh, okay. Uh, he, he tends to lean lawful, but he's also done some straight up like fuck the laws, fuck the government shit. That you can't, you can't declare independence like that and be lawful, I feel. Yeah, sure, sure. I actually felt like Sheridan was a little more chaotic. Good. Yeah. That was, he was one of my chaotic choices because he's going to do some stuff later that's a little yeah. <laughs> chaotic. For sure. I don't want to get into spoiler town. I'm not going to do that here. But also, I was thinking about his dealing with Mr. Morden. Mm-hmm. When he found out that Morden had been on the Icarus 
mm-hmm. and he kind of went unhinged. He For me, definitely that was a got more... a little extra martial there. Yeah, that was a little more chaotic. I didn't feel like it was, you know, evil or anything like that, but I definitely think of him as loose cannon good, especially as time goes on. Like when we first meet him in season two, I don't think he's terribly chaotic. I think he does lean more neutral or lawful. But mm-hmm. yeah, he definitely he definitely comes and goes more chaotic, more chaotic. And then kind of by definition, he de facto goes lawful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but that's spoiler town, so I won't <laughs> I won't get into that too much. Yeah, but I, I accept a, a reading of neutral good. Yeah. I totally believe that. Ivanova, I've got is lawful neutral. Yeah. Actually, that's where I went with. Yeah. She is the definition of her way or the highway. Mm-hmm. And lawful doesn't necessarily always mean government laws. It can be a personal code. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And adherence to it. And she definitely falls very firmly there. For sure. Like, she has a very strong code. She sticks to it. We see that through, like, her feelings of psychor. Mm-hmm. That feeling doesn't change. And, you know, she's <laughs> very, very lawful. I'm thinking of the Ivanova is God. Yeah. Yeah, her her speech. She she believes in her chain of command very strongly, even when it changes, even mm-hmm. when it is more a personal chain rather than the huge Earth Force body that has become corrupted. So, yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Garibaldi, chaotic neutral. Agree. He 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 definitely cares more about getting the job done than any rules or morality. I feel like, I I mean. I've I've DM'd a number of tabletop games and I've had characters where who well, they're like, I'm chaotic good. And then their actions are like, mm, I think you're <laughs> chaotic neutral looking for an excuse. Yeah. And that is Garibaldi. I think Garibaldi thinks he's good uh-huh. and probably would recognize he's chaotic good. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. He might go, yeah, neutral maybe. And it's no, you're chaotic neutral, dude. <laughs> yeah. I think that. In the original time period of the show, when this premiered, when it was written, we were supposed to think of Garibaldi as chaotic good. Mm-hmm. That's he's the one that I believe we were supposed to see him as that sort of, you know, the cop who plays by his own rules but always does what is right kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that we now can kind of read that differently. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes the things that he does are downright bad. So, you know, you could mm-hmm. almost flip and and see him as a little bit evil but not really he is he is neutral yeah so yeah that's that's definitely my reading of garibaldi too we nailed that one together yeah franklin i've got list is chaotic good okay because he does he does try to do things to save people's lives Mm -hmm. the things he does to save people's lives tend to be incredibly misguided self-centered but he does it for that reason Always explicitly, it is to save someone's life. Even if he's being skeezy while he's doing it, even if he's doing a ton of space coke to do more of it, you know, rules be damned, I'm saving their life. That's, that is Franklin to me. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that reading. I actually kind of had pegged him as lawful good, but like you said, going with his own personal laws and his own personal code, which, as you have acknowledged... Sometimes very misguided, yes. but I think he's very true to that misguided code that he has sometimes. 
No, that, that that's that's a fair reading for sure. I can totally understand where that's coming from. He's a bit too willy nilly with it for me. Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. very principled, and we said that a ton, and I know I've said that a ton. <laughs> but at the same time, it's kind of just it feels like he's not consistent. Yeah. Okay. Like, like to me, the consistency in his character comes from his desire to save lives, which is right. on the morality scale, not the action scale. Right. Yeah, that's so, true. I am. But I think both readings are totally legit. I think it's really easy with him to, to categorize that good part. And then the rest of it is like. <laughs> yeah. Well, because he's kind of all over the place, though. So. Yeah. But he is ultimately a doctor and a doctor who is driven by, like, the actual Hippocratic Oath and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to fulfill that, which is a very good oriented sort of philosophy. Yeah. But how you how you enact, interact with that can be a wide scope. For sure. All right. Well, that's fun. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious once we get into some of our other characters... Yes. How we're going to have our like initial reads versus how we think about them for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes together. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm looking forward to having this conversation again. Uh, we'll do the ambassadors in a couple of weeks. Yeah. That'll be fun. And the ambassadors should be very fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have season three, episode 16, War Without End, part one. I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there now, listener. Normally, I if you're watching the show with us and you have not watched ahead, if you might want to watch ahead one episode before you listen to this one. Just one. Just one. It was one. a big cliffhanger. It's a big cliffhanger. And it's really easy to do it. Just watch it. Yeah. 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 And I mean, the our part two won't come out until next week still, but I can't promise that I'm not going to spoil some of those big twists that come in part two. I, I know I'm, I'm probably going to. They're very interlinked. Are, they're a unit. Like, yeah. This just think of it as one two hour episode of Babylon 5 that we just have to split up into two podcasts. Mm-hmm. At least they made it easy for us. Unlike with the gathering where we just kind of guessed. This one is an easy, easy break. Yeah. So with that said in advance i've now given myself spoily permission for the next episode i will try to hold back but i'm making no promises we're gonna open this one on minbar and there's just so many crystals it's our first time seeing minbar actual minbar yeah and you're right crystal city there's it's (laughs) crystal city they've all got flared bases and we see the hall of justice from super friends surrounded by waterfalls very cool building well as my great-grandfather used to say cool so much cgi very different from our centauri prime cgi uh, especially the centauri prime cgi we get this episode <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there that's at the end all right uh, <laughs> already a spoiler town <laughs> i don't think anyone's watching the episode as we talk about it <laughs> i please god hope no i hope not <laughs> we have not tried to time this for that ever yeah, no. We get a mysterious hooded ranger who's walking down a hallway. Oh, they uh, say until Za. We know who this is. Oh, well, I thought, you know, we get a few minutes of like, oh, it's some guy in a hood, but okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's, uh, I mean, even like when this was airing on TV, like Sinclair and B4 were all over the ads for this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like there was no... <laughs> 
mistaking what this was going to be about. So yeah, we gotta we gotta put the goods out front. Mm-hmm. And what well, we sure enough, the hoods revealed it's Sinclair, mm-hmm. and there's a letter that's been waiting for him for over nine hundred years. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> he left it, but how did he know you were going to be here? <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. <laughs> On this day, at this time, he knew you would be walking down this hallway. <laughs> yeah, he left a note that said, at this time, get this dude. <laughs> He'll be there. It gets spookier because mm-hmm. in... In CNC on Babylon 5, we've started picking up a distress call from Sector 14. Dun, dun, dun. Sector 14, where what happened? Babylon 4 was built in Sector 14. That's right. Mm, Mysterious. (laughs) (laughs) But even more mysterious is that this distress call is coming from Ivanova. Very yes. unmistakably. We traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. Yeah. Well, it, I thought it was super obvious listening to it. And then uh-huh, everyone's yeah. all like, the computer's confirmed it's your voice. And it's all like, I guess she never listens to a, her own podcast or anything. Like, she doesn't know what her <laughs> own voice sounds like. <laughs> well, maybe they're concerned about deep fake. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. So they had to run the analysis and make yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually and- a plot point in Orville. Oh yeah, yeah. Like culturally, they one of the the races is using deep fake stuff to like fuck with political campaigns, and it's just an accepted part of the culture. Hmm. hmm. Fun storyline if you haven't watched Shoreville. Anyways, and that's how we go to theme. <laughs> yep. Sinclair says goodbye to Rathen without saying goodbye, but it's very much a. It's been great. Thank you so much for being such a good good dude to me. Like it's the kind of thing you say when you don't think you're gonna see somebody. Yeah, weird. Why would he feel that way? <laughs> Rathen here is very, like, I don't want to say subservient to Sinclair, mm-hmm. but, like, I had to, like, read about it and remember that Rathen is on the Grey Council. Oh, This is yeah, a dude we've seen me. before who's, okay. like, helped Delenn with stuff. He definitely referred to Delenn and said, I, I do what she wants me to do, basically. Yeah. <laughs> And so it was kind of like, he's like really like, oh, we got to make sure Sinclair's happy. And it's just like, is he just being like a polite host? <laughs> yeah. He's very deferential. Yeah. yeah. A Vorlon pops out and says some cryptic shit. Yeah. As they do. Didn't love this Vorlon's voice, by the way. Just... This is Kosh. I mean, it's, it's... the a- not like the character, but the actor. Yeah. Yeah. That's his voice. That's his voice. I think they he's doing a slightly not... different voice, but yes. yes. Yeah, I think they, they must have put some effects on the other Kasha's voice that made it better. Mm. <laughs> I didn't I didn't vibe with this voice at all. <laughs> it didn't f- seem very Vorlon to me. Mm-hmm. Over in the war room, Ivanova plays the call again, and Garibaldi posits that the wonky time shit means it's from the future. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff well garibaldi has had some visions of his own from the possible future Mm -hmm. back in season one when he went to babylon 4 so i think he might be concerned that these two things are connected based on what he observed in yes now he confirms that that was a flash forward here when we watched babylon squared 
I had thought it was a flash forward, but when they talk about it in that episode, I was under the impression it was a flash back to the Mars riots. Yeah. And I thought yeah. I had had it wrong this whole time, but it ends up I had it right the whole time. And probably because I had forgotten that they offer this kind of like, I don't know if it's a correction or something. It's just a very quick confirmation of like, hey, this is what you were seeing. Is yeah. The possible future. There was a fun JMS note on this, though, that the reason that they wore the tactical gear in that scene when they filmed it uh -huh. back in season one is because he already had the uniform change planned as part of the Earth Force split which was also already plotted by that point. Okay. And so he made sure to be put in them in uniform. neutral uniforms to not spoil the new uniform surprise. Yeah, we got to put them in the SWAT gear so we don't you mm -hmm. know, show off the other stuff. That's I love it. That's the play in the long game. That's yeah. thinking about it. He said that he had this idea for this specific story and three-parter as far back as 1984. Dang. He had been that's ruminating it on over a decade <laughs> before it finally yeah. got to air. Yeah, that's a real good feeling when you finally get something that's been germinating in your brain a long time mm -hmm. and give it life in some way. Yeah. yeah. that's I'm very satisfied for him. Mm -hmm. um, Garibaldi wants to go there. He wants to go check out Sector 14 and see mm -hmm. what's up. And, you know, Sheridan's like, fine, you guys have more experience with the Babylon 4 than I do. Mm -hmm. Go for it, you know. Garibaldi, you're the obvious choice, which is why I'm going to send you right now. By yourself, though. That's a weird <laughs> choice. We'll see if that bites us in the ass later. Yeah. Sinclair comes through space TSA and is greeted by Zack. Just as Garibaldi leaves, two ships passing in the night. Mm -hmm. Sinclair looks very beatific here. We've mm -hmm. definitely given him the like saintly treatment. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Zack has like a fanboy moment. Uh -huh. um, it's very cute. Which tracks knowing that he was a fan of the show mm -hmm. who was trying to get on. And so he's like, oh, I transferred right before you left, you know, mm -hmm. like all this stuff. And it's just like, oh, that's probably him actually geeking out a little. Yeah. I'm really enjoying the show. You get to just show. channel your real inner feelings. It's like, yay, I finally get to work with this person I was trying to work with all along. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Lanier comes to get Delenn, who also has a note waiting for her that makes me realize I've been spelling her name wrong in my notes for almost two years. Oh, really? How? Just confirm for me how we're supposed to be spelling it. It has two N's. I always okay. use one in my notes. But to be honest, it's just kind of shorthand. Like if I look at the action figure of hers up on my mm -hmm. wall, it does have the two N's. Yeah. And also I've I been using the two N's, but I'll tell you who I get wrong. I get Zach wrong every time. You get Zach. You spell Zach with a K instead of an H. I thought I thought it was supposed to be with a K, and I'm spelling it with an H. Oh, I I always spell it with an H. I might be doing I it wrong. Know. <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm now I'm worried. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Another one that's tough for me is Ivanova because of all the repeated uh -huh. letters. But I think that's just like my little bit of dyslexia just kicking me yeah. in the butt every time. I invert the A and the O sometimes, and I don't know why I do that. The A in the middle yeah, and the O in the middle. I get the A at the end, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Delenn runs to the war room to grab everyone as Sinclair walks in and thanks Sheridan for the great job he's done looking after Babylon 5. Uh-huh. You nice know he's not moment. talking about Babylon 5, but he is talking about Babylon 5. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Garibaldi calls in to let them know that Epsilon 3 is the source of the rift. And we cut to Zathras and Zathras at the Great Machine. 
I love Zathras and Zathras. I could just sit and listen to a room full of Zathras talking to Zathras and <laughs> be a very happy person. I just yeah. have the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Uh, Delenn and crew head to the White Star, and uh, we get an exchange that shows us just how Vorlon-like Sinclair has become. Very mystical. Vorlon-like? He's just speaking in riddles, you know? Okay. Like the kind of cryptic stuff. Okay. Because everybody's been talking about how Minbari-like he is, so. Yes. But, yeah. It can be two things. It's a bit of both. I mean, he's definitely, yeah. like, he speaks in riddles. He's doing the whole puzzly thing. Mm-hmm. So... It's appreciated. Yeah. I but. wonder if he's been hanging with that. I wonder how many Vorlons are on Membar now that we're well, about Well, if we want to jump ahead a bit <laughs> to the end of episode two. There's at least two. two. <laughs> and the encounter suit, I don't know if you noticed, is the same. That's the one we see on Mimbar. Yeah, I did notice that. So that that's piece. on purpose. That's the same Vorlon. Oh, okay. So we're saying that at least this one has been there for a thousand years, presumably also a second. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. But Kosh, when he was in the last episode, did say that he'd gotten used to being alive. And Kosh definitely knew the stuff that guys. happens. Yeah. Knew these guys. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it that way. That's also yeah, confirmed so... by JMS. So Kosh okay, was around So Vorlon lifespan, at least a thousand years. Well, more than. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Garibaldi gets the signal from the hole in time, and we get to actually view the video of Ivanova's distress call from the shadows yeah. attacking the station. Does this hurt your heart a little bit? Does it does it make you sad? I I know how this ends, so no. I it <laughs> maybe the feelings. first time it did. Maybe yeah. maybe the first time. I don't I don't remember the first time I watched this episode. We haven't seen Ivanova have this range of emotions really. Mm-hmm. Like she is banged up. She's got a head wound. She is desperate and she is afraid. And I yeah. don't know that we've seen this level of fear from her. I think we've seen a little bit of fear in especially when dealing with Psychor. Yeah. But it's very controlled. It's very under the surface and this everything is out. Yeah, the closest we've seen to her freaking out like this was when she was having the dreams about her mom. Yeah, but you know, she's she's clearly afraid for Every innocent person on this station, mm-hmm. a little bit for her own life. But I, I feel like she's afraid for the others. You know, they're trying to get them out. Garibaldi has rigged the reactor. Yeah. You know, like it is a desperate situation. Delenn gets everyone together on the White Star for some exposition. We get shown a video of the shadows destroying the Mimbari station that was their main forward base. And then we get shown it getting replaced by Babylon 4. Yeah. This has been very secret, and it's mm-hmm. mostly damaged footage, right? Like, we don't have anything left of yeah. this, and, and Babylon 4 certainly did not make it. Yes, it was, per JMS's notes, Babylon 5's, or Babylon 4 survived the war, but mm-hmm. was in such bad shape it did not last much longer. Yeah, so we can't have it last too long, because we'd have historical records of it, and then yeah. things would be weird. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Time, timey stuff gets a little weird. Sinclair reminds us from Babylon Squared, we never did find out who was taking the station for what, just that Zathra said it was for a big war. Uh-huh. So surprise, it us. <laughs> We're on our way to do the thing right now. 
Sheridan's like, I'm D.B. Cooper? No, it's Tommy Wiseau. Anyways, so they have to take Babylon 4 back to save Babylon 5. Because if Babylon yeah. 4 doesn't go back, enough shadow ships survive where they will go on the offensive in a couple of days in response to the Vorlon attack. And they'll have enough ships to just swoop in and take out Babylon 5 right at the start of the war. Yeah, back in when we were in the war room, Marcus mentioned that there hadn't been any shadow attacks anywhere for three whole days. So yeah. it's like they're waiting for something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sheridan reluctantly approves the plan. Zathras arrives and is just the most Zathras. This is like. Yeah, there's like an incoming package from Epsilon 3 that's just like <laughs> a space coffin <laughs> full of Zathras. We flash back to Babylon Squared, and Sinclair let Zathras know not to accidentally change his past. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're going to see past me. Don't fuck it up. Uh, he says he's good at doings, not understandings. Mm. This we know. He's we got, know this. <laughs> yeah, he's got a list of things not to say, like calling them the one. Mm-hmm. Sinclair tells Sheridan he needs a favor, which is to tell Garibaldi to go back to the station and don't mention that Sinclair is there. Yeah, this is sad, too. Yeah, we see Sinclair flash forward. Sinclair's flash forwards from Babylon Squared with him and Garibaldi defending Babylon 5 before it's destroyed. Um, So Mm -hmm. I guess the implication here is if this mission does not go well, that we go back and then Sinclair goes back to Babylon 5 with everyone else to defend the station, Uh despite him feeling otherwise. Yeah, yeah. And Garibaldi is going to go out in a blaze of glory if that happens. Yeah. We, we know that Garibaldi, nobody's going to make it, but yeah. yeah. Particularly we see a scene depicting probably Garibaldi dying. Yeah. They all get temporal anchors to keep them stuck in time when they go through the rift. Mm-hmm. They're uh, very important. They're very important. Zathras stresses this many times. The reason that they didn't need them before is, if you were wondering this, Sinclair and Garibaldi did not time travel in Babylon Squared. That's true. They were in their time the entire time. It is the station that came forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we don't see a bunch of people on Babylon 4 when it jumps forward. We didn't see all of them disappearing, which they all should have been going through this thing without the temporal anchor. But maybe it wasn't enough time to warrant because it's only two years for them. As yeah. opposed to the six we're going back. Not really explained. <laughs> not really ever going to be. So in, in Babylon Squared, they did say that people were experiencing things like... The flashes, yeah. Yeah, the flashes. Which maybe you could in- interpret that as them coming unstuck a little bit. Mm-hmm. But nobody gets like Sinclair aging kind of effects. Yeah, yeah and they don't Still get that. Still upsetting. And then, well, they say you have to do it more than once for that. For the aging. Yeah. For the aging. But no one gets the uh, Sheridan trips through. Yeah. Actual trips through time where they vanish from the current timeline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens soon in this episode, so. Spoilies. <laughs> so we go into the rift. Yeah. I-, I noticed that as we are traveling on the White Star, that uh, Sheridan and Dylan are kind of slyly holding hands mm-hmm. and Sinclair catches it and he's smiling. So yeah, he knows. Mm-hmm. It's a very 
Your dad approves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Garibaldi makes it back to B5, and Zach's like, oh, yeah, you just missed Sinclair. And he's like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> yeah, he spills the beans real big. He just steps <laughs> right in it. <laughs> you ever my, done this? My best friend shows up and doesn't say hi. What <laughs> the hell? <laughs> yeah, but Garibaldi is not a total idiot. He realizes yeah. that okay, he must have left something for me somewhere. Mm -hmm. He goes off to his quarters looking for a message. Yep. And it's a password-protected message waiting for him. And he tries a bunch of passwords. Uh Uh-huh. Some just people's names. You know, he tries his normal peekaboo. Yeah. But the last three he tries before he gets it are Socks, Vassen, and Zip, which is a reference to their conversation traveling to Babylon 4. Mm -hmm. Chef's kiss. Beautiful. Love it. He does get it on the next try, though, which is hello, old friend, which is how Sinclair started the last message that he had sent. Yeah. And he tells him he knows he won't be returning from his expedition to Babylon 4 at this point already. Yeah. Just like, I, this is a one-way trip for me, and it would have been a one-way trip for you, buddy. Right. And I didn't want that for you. Yeah. So that's very nice of him. On the White Star, they are... In the rift, they are scanning for shadows, mm-hmm. and we find some of those little shadow fightery ships. Yep. They've got the Enterprise's and... warp core, and they're going <laughs> to throw it at the station to blow it up. Yep. Uh, White Star is not going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the White Star jumps in, blows up these little shadow fighters. None of the big ships are here. And they uh they fire on the White Star, and the White Star just shrugs it off now. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's learning. Yeah, Lanier it's tells us about learning. the Vorlon organic armor that learns and adapts. Mm-hmm. Very Borgy. It is very Borgy. I didn't think about that at first. Here for it. Yeah. But but very Borgy. Anyways, they blow up this warp core, and some energy coming out of it hits Sheridan's anchors, and he becomes unstuck in time. Oh, that's bad. Zathras said that would be bad. It is bad, as we find out. Sinclair yeah. is just all like, fuck it, I'm the captain now. Yeah, <laughs> he just takes it back. He's like, well, <laughs> this is mine now. I never liked riding shotgun. So he just jumps in the chair uh-huh. and uh, is like, we're getting this done. And Sheridan ends up in the future being beat up by Emperor Londo's guards. Yeah. It's old Londo again. It's, I love when we see old Londo. It's old it's Londo. so mysterious. It's old Londo for the first time. I, I think we've seen the vision of old Londo choking to death, right? Oh, you're right. We've, we've, I think they gave us a little bit with him and Jakar choking yeah. each other before. Yeah, but I think Back that's all we've seen. One. Yeah. I think so you're right. Far. I think it hasn't been much. We get more but... of it in the movie in the beginning. Okay. Which okay. we'll watch after season four, I think. Okay. Is it we're going to watch all those? They did a, like a summer of Babylon 5 movies in between season four and five. In, what a summer. Right. <laughs> so we'll watch, we'll watch it then as part of that. Okay. Anyways, Sinclair reassures Delenn that Sheridan will be okay. He's like, look, I know what's going to happen at this point. So don't worry about him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the future, Londo tells us that Sheridan won the war, but didn't clean up the mess, and the Allies of the Shadows have laid waste to Centauri Prime as retribution. 
there were people really upset about this on the internet. Oh, do tell. Back in the day. They're like, uh-huh. you you ruined the series. You told us that the good guys win. He's all like, yeah, you think I'm going to spend a multi-year arc on a, that bummer of an ending? Of course right. the good guys win. Duh. <laughs> we actually talked about this after we watched both episodes. Yeah. It was like, well, I was like, well, you know, I guess it's a spoiler that we're going to beat the shadows. But at this time in TV, like you didn't set up an arc like this Mm -hmm. and have it be really dark. Like there might be shows right now that would have some darkness and whatever, but certainly in the nineties, you didn't make a TV show like this. We all knew that was going to happen. The big reveal is that, Oh no, beating the bad guys is not the solution. It's not the end of everything. Yeah. That was how TV was set up was like, you get the bad guys defeated and happily ever after. Mm-hmm. in the 90s oh, a lot of it especially before the 90s too so this big reveal is a big reveal to me it's not perfect just because we beat the shadows yeah Zathras uh says the saddest shit here uh, uh just a, a life of servitude he's happy with it though he's this not it... he specifically says that he's sad <laughs> I thought he said that he likes the consistency or something about it, that. It, he's, I believe his words were, at least my life has symmetry in its sadness. Oh. Well, the, in, yeah. in, in its sadness was implied from the previous sentence, but yes. It sounded like that symmetry was important to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Poor yeah. Zathras. Nobody listens to Zathras. Nope. Ivanova and Marcus go to secure their half of the hallway. Sinclair and Delenn head off to their part of the plan. And that's end credits to be continued. Yeah, big cliffhanger. This is why you should have watched the two together, I hope, listener. <laughs> that was a lot of stuff in there. It's so a ton of stuff. What, what are your thoughts about that, Jafar? Fucking love this episode. I think I said when we first, maybe, maybe even when before we even recorded an episode, maybe in like our very first conversation, I think I said uh-huh. that Babylon 5 is my favorite three-parter in all of television this is it yeah this is part two it's so good my best friend has been over today when i was doing notes for this episode and i'm i explained just like the play concept it's like oh part one was two seasons ago he's like what it's like it's a time travel episode he's like oh (laughs) yeah like it's it's been a minute the just the achievement in writing to be able to put this together Especially with what's coming in the next episode, because we haven't really gone back. Like, this is Back to the Future Part 1. Well, actually, Babylon Squared is Back to the Future Part 1. This is kind of a little bit more of that. The next one is where we get into the Back to the Future Part 2 territory, where there's mm-hmm. multiple versions of our characters running around. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, yeah. the versions from Babylon Squared and the, the current version. Listener, yeah. if you haven't watched it yet. I assume you'll be able to put together that that was going to happen, and that's not a spoiler. It's, yeah, it, they pretty much told us. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. It's so good; like everything fits perfectly. Mm-hmm. Every piece, every line of dialogue. There's not a second wasted. They could have named this episode without B plots instead of War Without End. Like, yeah, it's that's true. Super concise. Um, uh-huh. There's actually I, I did read a little bit from JMS on stuff after the next one had come out. We had considered briefly making it a three-parter, 
instead mm -hmm. of a two-parter because he felt it was still very packed. But he didn't think yeah. the material warranted a three-part. And then it would have been a four-part overall. He's like, so then I have to add a B-plot. And I don't want to add a yeah. B-plot to this. Yeah, I get that. So I, I think a B-plot would just be distracting in this. I think everything is as it should be. This is the most exciting writing that I had seen at the time, you know. Yeah. I don't think I don't think any of the Star Trek series attempted anything this complicated. Maybe um, Voyager Year of Hell? Oh, Maybe yeah, I don't I'll be honest, I don't still... remember that that well and I'm not there in my Voyager rewatch. I so I haven't seen yeah. it in over a decade at this point. Um I mean, Year of Hell is good. I mean, it's it's amazing two-parter series, but it doesn't have that like third part element to it to yeah. me. Like because these episodes are all so intertwined, even mm -hmm. though one happened way back in season. Yeah. D the, just to have a to be continued from two seasons ago is is just absolutely insane. I don't know of another show that would even attempt this or think consider it. Yeah. In this form. Yeah. It's so good. It's so daring. It's just fucking love this episode. Babylon Squared was such a self-contained episode in yeah. that there were there were a few little mysteries that were like, huh, that's weird. Mm -hmm. But it didn't leave you with a sense that something really big was unresolved. Like you could you could go up to this right up until this episode and feel like Babylon Squared, Babylon Four, totally over. Yeah, you would feel that way if you were watching this for the first time. Something but happened with Babylon Four. Back, there's some mysteries. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, and it's just like. To just do it so succinctly, to do it so well. Yeah. It's a testament to JMS's ability to story plot. It's fantastic. I fucking love this episode. I fucking love the next episode. I loved Babylon Squared. It gets two Babylon 4s. I don't know what's appropriate. It's fucking great. I love this episode. Those little things that were left in Babylon Squared, it was like when you get to this episode, you realize they were all intentional. Sometimes mm -hmm. we just do things and we may use it later and we may not. And and every single one of them pays off. Mm -hmm. It's just brilliant. I love it. I mean, you know, as far as ratings, <laughs> I've got to give it the Babylon 5. For sure. Because of how well it ties in together. But you're right. A Babylon 4 would be fun to save just because it's Babylon 4. Yeah. But this is a 5 out of 5 for me. 100%. Okay. So... We're going to wrap that next time. What does the episode description for, for War Without two. End Part 2 say? Sheridan moves through time, experiencing his future. Mm. Sinclair leads the effort to transport Babylon 4 back in time to the first battle with the shadows. Yeah. Concise. It was all obvious from the episode. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we'll talk about that more next week. But before then, got to say thank you to Jeremy Siegel. Thanks, Jeremy. I love our theme song, and you made it for us. You can find more of Jeremy's music at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. Hey, Jeremy is doing a thing, and I'm not sure if it's going to be on his Bandcamp or not, but oh. I know that they're going to be on Spotify. He's doing a challenge for himself this year where he is releasing one album per month. And so the January album, you know, we're recording this yeah. before this episode's going to come out. His January album dropped, I think, like last week. Oh, shit. So, okay. Um Next time I will look up for sure how you can get to that on Spotify. I'm pretty sure it's it's Spotify. I'm going to uh, check. But right maybe I, it's also on the Bandcamp. I literally have Spotify open right now. 
Yeah. So I think the the one that dropped for January is under Nuclear Jaguar Band. That's what he's got on Instagram. Ah, okay. Yep. They have an album release called January. So everybody should check that out. Get a little more Jeremy Siegel. All right. I will definitely listen to this soon. Speaking of Instagram, we want to thank Angry Duck Time Machine, who's on Instagram, for our podcast artwork. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Aaron, for editing our podcast and ensuring its release on a weekly basis. We appreciate the shit out of you. And thank you to you, the listener, for being here. We're glad you're here with us for War Without End, Parts 1 and Part 2. Yep. We'll see you next week for Part 2. If you got to talk about Part 1, hop on our Discord. Send us an email, whoareyoub5 at gmail.com. Yep. And you can find us on Facebook. Sometimes on Twitter, but maybe try the Facebook or email first. All right. See you next week, Internet. Bye.